But that combination, for me, took food thoughts completely away. Didn't care about food, wasn't worried about food, didn't want to go get more food, didn't even think about it. It was miraculous. Anyway, that's Manjaro. And did you hear now the news? They came out with a new medication made by the same people who make Manjaro. In fact, it's the same drug. It's still terzepatide, but it's called Zepbound. And now the FDA has approved that label of the same drug, but it's now approved strictly for weight loss. Hi, and welcome to the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast. I'm Tom, and I'll be your host as I share what I'm doing in my daily life to solve my type 2 diabetes. Listen in as I share the food, movement, and tools that I'm using each day. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. For a full transcript or to follow the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast on social media, please head over to SolvingType2Diabetes.com for all those links and more. Now, on to the show. Thank you very much for joining me here for another episode of the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast. I know you have a lot of choices on the podcasts that you listen to, and I certainly appreciate the fact that you took the time to uh, listen to this episode today and spend some time with me. Thank you very much for that. I've had a pretty interesting two weeks here since the last episode. Some medication changes, some sourdough struggles, and some pretty good progress on my Lindal Tortella. Now, you might ask what that is, and we'll get to that in just a second. But first, what's going on with my medication changes? If you remember back, I started back on metformin very slowly at just a single 500 milligram tablet per day. And when that was not really helping anything, certainly not really helping anything at all compared to the Manjaro was, I talked to the doctor and let her know, and she agreed to increase that to two 500 milligram tablets. And I think I discussed that during the last episode a couple weeks ago. After about a week or 10 days of that, I let her know, hey, it's really not much difference. I think on the one tablet, my average blood sugar reading was 196 using my CGM, and that is well into the type 2 diabetes range. And even after a week or 10 days or so with two tablets a day, the average blood sugar reading on my CGM was only down to 180, which is still high. If you remember, an average blood sugar reading of 150, 24-7 average, is the indicator for getting into the type 2 diabetes range. But 180, I was still way too high. She agreed, I requested, and she agreed to add back in the Farsiga, the lowest dose of 5 milligrams. So for the past week or so, I have been taking 5 milligrams each day of Farsiga, along with the two tablets of metformin. Now this is just about the same medication combination I was on a year ago before starting the Manjaro. I'm very happy to report that that combination has brought my average blood sugar reading down to 126. You can see that little Farsiga tablet made a big difference going from about 180 
for a couple of weeks before and then down to 126 for the past seven day average. That has me down back below the type 2 diabetes level. In fact, it is right on the bottom edge of the pre-diabetes level. So that's where I feel really comfortable at. It is not down as far as the 110, 105 average that I was getting under the Manjaro, but hey, you know what? I will take it. The one thing that I am noticing still is that the appetite control, my hunger, and my wanting to eat, especially at night, that's really back all on my shoulders. One of the nice things, one of the very nice things about the Manjaro, the terzepatide, is the fact that it dramatically helps with hunger control. In fact, you can literally forget about eating. And when you do eat, you have no real desire to eat too much. So it's a whole lot easier to eat the right amount of the right thing. So now that's back on me, and I do find myself going back for more after dinner. Now, I'm not gaining any weight. In fact, I think I'm down about a pound over the last couple of weeks. But it is really on me. I really have to think about it more. And that was what's so nice about that Manjaro is the fact that I didn't have to think about it. And food was not a constant struggle. That is back a little bit. I'm dealing with that. But the blood sugar is back down. I could easily live with an average of 126. Also for the past 11 days, I have been putting in more effort. I have been closing my rings every day for the last 11 days. I did not close my rings October 31st, but since then, and today is November 11th, two days before this episode comes out, I'm doing the recording. And for each of the 11 days, including today, I have closed my rings on my Apple Watch, which is great. That's an indicator to me that I'm getting in a good amount of movement and that usually includes a walk of at least two miles a day, sometimes three, three and a half miles each day. That and my other regular activity is allowing me to close my rings, which is really good. I'm also keeping my carbohydrate in check. I am well below 100 grams of net carbohydrates each day, usually averaging closer about 80, 85 grams of net carbohydrates each day. That, my movement and all the medication is allowing me to keep my blood sugar back down into a safe range, which I'm really happy about. Also this past couple of weeks, in fact, I started this back on October 25th, so it's been just a hair over two weeks, but I have been attempting to grow sourdough starter. I don't know if you're into sourdough baking at all, or maybe you're just into sourdough bread, and I do really believe that sourdough, a, a naturally fermented bread, is much healthier than the stuff we buy at the grocery store. Even like my low-carb wraps or the 647 bread, which I've used in the past, I think just a small amount of sourdough bread would be fine for me. So I thought, why not make it as fresh as I can and make it myself? So I've been watching this guy. His name is Tom Kukosa. C-U... I don't know how to spell it. Kukosa. C-U-C-O-Z-Z-A. I believe. Anyway, he goes by, his YouTube channel is The Sourdough Journey. If you're interested, he's on Instagram as well, The Sourdough Journey. And he is a fabulous instructor. I have watched many hours of his YouTube videos, and I do follow him on Instagram as well. And he actually is giving me some guidance, but I have been struggling. I've been going through sourdough struggles. My starter named Odo 
for all your Deep Space Nine fans. Odo was a shapeshifter, and I thought, this sourdough is a shapeshifter. I'm going to name my starter Odo. So Odo has been struggling. He started off okay, did the typical things, had a early uh, bloom when he was fighting off the bad bacteria, and then settled down a little bit. But the problem is he never really started to grow. And right now I'm doing what's called a stall point test. And I took the starter, I took Odo, and I broke him into three parts. One, I kept feeding normally. The second part was just the leftover, what would normally be discarded. And the third part was put into what's called a micro feed. Now, my acidity level, we assume, was a little bit too high. To check that, we, we can make a couple of assumptions here. The first is that, yes, the acidity level is too high. What do you do? You feed less. Instead of a new feeding being one part starter, two parts flour, two parts water, you make it one part starter, five parts flour, and five parts water. That's called a microfeed. And also, the other one was the discard. Maybe I was feeding it too often. Therefore, the discard would continue to grow, in fact, better than the regular feeding. It's now a day and a half into that test. And I'm sorry if you're not into sourdough. I might be boring you. But hey, I'm into sourdough now, so here we are. After so far a day and a half, and it's really a 48-hour test, the microfeeding is ahead by just a little bit. So I don't know if I'm going to be using that now as Odo going forward, or I might have to start over with Son of Odo. Wait, I don't know if shapeshifters are gendered or not. Anyway, I'll call it Son of Odo if I have to go that way. To me, Odo presented as a man, so I'll go Son of Odo. I don't know. Anyway, if you want to follow my sourdough struggles... The best place is Instagram. I think it's the only place I ever mention it. But my Instagram handle, not for the podcast, but for myself, is just Tom Kreider. One word, T-O-M-K-R-E-I-D-E-R. Tom Kreider. You can follow my Instagram, check out my sourdough struggles there, and follow along. Also, I mentioned my Lindal Tortella. What is a Lindal Tortella? If you knit... You can search that pattern on Ravelry. Ravelry is a huge online database of yarns and patterns and projects and people. Everything that has to do with knit, crochet, fiber arts, things like that. And also on Ravelry, I am Tom Kreider. T-O-M-K-R-E-I-D-E-R. You can follow my knitting exploits there. And what's currently on my needles is this Lindell Tortella. And I've met the designer. I know the folks who raise the sheep and process the wool at their mill. So I'm very intimately involved with this scarf. And it's a scarf I'm making for my niece. She helped us out with a few things here recently, and she won't take cash. So I thought, what the heck, I'm going to make this basically as a scarf. But it's quite colorful, so check it out. Check out my Instagram, and you can follow along my knitting exploits there as well. But right now, let's take a look at the news. So I've got some good articles for you here today. This first one is about a great side effect, side benefit, or you, if you will, for semaglutide. Now, semaglutide is the 
uh, active ingredient in the diabetes drug Ozempic. It's also used in the version they sell for weight loss called Wegovi. And it says here that an international clinical trial found that semeglutide reduced cardiovascular events by 20% in adults who are overweight or have obesity, even when they don't have diabetes. Again, semeglutide was originally prescribed for type 2 diabetes, and it is a GLP-1 inhibitor. It works on that particular peptide area and the receptor, and it says that in addition to getting 20% of reduction in cardiovascular disease, these folks also lost about 9.5% of their body weight. And this was with a weekly injection of the 2.4 milligram uh, level. And they said it was statistically, majorly statistically better than the placebo. So it was an obvious uh, direct result of taking this medication. And again, this is the GLP-1 uh, receptor agonist. It's not the GIP, because if Manjaro, what I used to take, that had both the GLP-1 receptor agonist as well as the GIP uh, receptor agonist as well. So this trial ran uh, from October of 2018 all the way through June of 2023. And it was folks, they all happened to be 45 years of age or older, and they had a body mass index of at least 27. 17,000 patients were tracked in 41 different countries over an average of 40 months. And they reported a 20% reduction in adverse cardiovascular events, cardiovascular, that's heart, 20% reduction compared to the control group. These folks were taking this medication for obesity and also for type 2 diabetes. And as a side benefit throughout the study, the scientists observed a 20% reduction in these cardiovascular events. Now, what was the cause of that? Does this medication have some direct effect on the heart? Or was it simply because these folks were losing weight, eating less, maybe eating better. That hasn't been proven out. But nonetheless, here's a, as a happy side effect of the folks who are using this semeglutide either in the form of Ozempic or Wegovi. This next article here is one that you're going to really have to get into yourself. It's a seven-day high-fiber meal plan for insulin resistance. And this is put out by a dietitian, Emily Latchtrup. L-A-C-H-T-R-U-P, M-S-R-D, and it's reviewed by a dietitian, Jessica Ball, also M-S-R-D, and it's a seven-day plan, really laying out exactly what to eat for each meal, each day of the week. Now, obviously, if you really want the benefit of this, you're going to have to continue it past seven days, but this might give you a nice jump start, but it's meals that are high in fiber, so it does have some grains in it, but they're whole grains, oats, bulgur, quinoa, brown rice, things like that. Not your normal wheat products. And also legumes, beans, lentils, edamame, things like that. Has some fruit. And for the fruit, they really focused on raspberries, blueberries, blackberries, pears, figs, apple, avocado, and kiwi because those are all high fiber. 
and also vegetables like artichokes, green peas, Brussels sprouts, kale, collards, beets, carrots, broccoli, cauliflower, things like that. And my favorite, nuts and seeds, including flax, chia, and pumpkin seeds. So this article is linked with all kinds of recipes, two or three recipes pretty much every day. There's ways to set it up to be about 1,200 calories if you're a smaller person, 2,000 calories if you're a larger person, and I'm sure you can adjust things in between. But they're getting here around 40 grams of fiber each day, and like I said, between 1,200 and 2,000 calories, depending on how you set it up. They have alternatives here to add things or omit things to change the calories. If you don't change anything, it's going to average about 1,500 calories a day about 65 grams of fat, 76 grams of protein, 166 grams of carbs, which is way more carbs than I personally eat. But again, this diet, because it's high fiber, is supposed to help you focus on reducing insulin resistance, which is something we are all shooting for. This next article, it's entitled, Play the Long Game. Doctor said there's a better solution than diabetes drugs. Now what this is talking about is lifestyle changes. And I don't think they're trying to say that drugs aren't necessary for a large proportion of folks with either pre-diabetes or type 2 diabetes. But what they're trying to focus on here is lifestyle changes instead of or in addition to the drugs. They're saying here that lifestyle changes should always be your first go, even before you necessarily start medications. Exercise, movement, for me it's usually walking, and then also watching what you eat, cutting sugar, cutting raw, refined starches, things like that, adding in like that other article mentioned, more fiber, meats, things like that. The doctors are saying that by focusing on these lifestyle changes, some folks can actually avoid having to start medications or if they do take medications, perhaps take less. Now I'll tell you something that I noticed today. I noticed it yesterday, but I've been noticing it here in these walks now that I'm back on the Farsiga. And if you remember from the past, I mentioned that I like to walk early afternoon. It's usually one of the nicer part of the day for me. The type of day that I enjoy is, especially when it's cooling off now, like today's high was only about 52, that's Fahrenheit, and it would only hit that temperature maybe around 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So that's when I like to walk. In fact, today's walk was from about, I don't know, 2.45 to 4 o'clock. So I like to hit that high part of the day whenever possible. And so when I went out there, I had finished lunch and whatnot, and, and my blood sugar was... I don't know, it might have peaked at around 160. But as soon as I got out for a walk, and during the walk, and, and ever since the walk, as a matter of fact, because I've been home now for about an hour, my blood sugar's down around 100. I had walked maybe an hour after I ate my lunch, and for lunch I had a really good tortilla soup. My wife made this tortilla soup, and it's chicken, and it's tomato-based, and it has corn and beans. It's really good. Anyway, it's called tortilla soup. And it's a fairly generic recipe. You can find that online. Anyway, so I had went out to walk after that, and it, it really never fails. Regardless of where my blood sugar is when I start to walk, it's usually anywhere from 20, 30, 40, 50 points lower by the time I'm done with my walk. And it starts going down within just a few minutes. So even after maybe 10, 15 minutes of walking, 
I see my blood sugar really dropping, which is good. What does that mean? That means that I'm taking the blood out of my uh, circulatory system and putting it away into my cells and using it for that walk. So that's certainly much better than storing it as fat or just circulating around and around in my blood system and causing damage. So yeah, I can get behind this playing the long game uh, with what this article is saying and that making lifestyle choices can definitely help. So now here's one. This is very similar to the second article, but it says the meal plan that could help diabetics have better control of their blood sugar levels. Now, what is this article talking about? Now, this is a video. It has uh, a nice video to go along with this article, but this is from the English NHS program for diabetics. And instead of what I think is better, instead of reaching for natural foods, like this tortilla soup was made from scratch. A few days ago, we finished a really great beef stew that was made from scratch. And we do things like double the amount of meat and cut the amount of potatoes in half, maybe put in a little bit more carrots to substitute for some of those potatoes. But it's all made from scratch. It's natural. It's stuff that was either walking around, dug out of the ground, or picked off a tree. So that's the kind of food that I typically find works best for me. But what this article uh, is recommending here by the NHS is uh, more of a packaged, processed, factory-type uh, meal program. And this is soups and shakes. Everything comes in a package. But they do say here that it absolutely has helped many people get control of their A1C. And they say this is good for people maybe between the ages of 18 and 65, diagnosed with type 2 uh, diabetes, have a body mass index of at least 27, with a blood glucose above the type 2 diabetes range of 150 for at least the last 12 months. And evidently, under this program, this is partially sponsored, so some of this is paid for. Now, they do, of course, recommend a movement along with this, but basically this controls what you eat and when you eat. It comes in prepackaged packets, and they say if you stick to it, although it might get boring, it's just soups and shakes, basically liquid diet. They say if they stick with it, the folks lose weight and also improve their A1C. But again, I personally think the natural way is, for me anyway, it's a better way to go. Now, I do use protein supplementation from time to time, but this is really all 100% packaged and powdered food. This last article here is a little worrisome. The article is talking about counterfeit medications. It's entitled, Counterfeit Ozempic is under investigation as at least three users are hospitalized. Now, there's millions of people on Ozempic and Wegovi and Manjaro, these new class of drugs, but here they found at least three people who got uh, this counterfeit uh, drug. And it says that in June of 23, Novo Nordisk, and they manufacture the Ozempic and Wagovi, they put out a statement saying that counterfeit injector pens had been discovered. And they're available for purchase online, and they look almost identical to the authentic version of the medication injector pens. So they say that don't purchase anything online or even in person from a foreign country or an unlicensed source. 
only get it through a prescription with your doctor through a medication uh, dispensary like a pharmacy that you trust. They said in one batch they confiscated hundreds of fake pens just during the month of June of this past summer. If you're getting your medication outside of the normal medical system that you could be getting these counterfeit uh, injectables and they said best case scenario is that they don't hurt you but they're not also they're also not going to really do anything for you they're not going to be any benefit so there's no benefit in using these fake pens and worst case scenario they can hurt you kill you send you to the hospital not good so that's the news for today I want to talk about the main topic, and we're going to talk more about medications here. You know, my medications have been going through a lot of changes, and I mentioned last week that I wanted to talk to you about metformin alternatives, the various classes of medications that are being used. Now, I am not a healthcare professional in any way, shape, or form. I just like reading stuff on the internet and oftentimes testing things out for myself. This information that I'm getting actually comes from GoodRx Health. This is the website behind GoodRx. Some of you might be familiar with GoodRx. They're like a discount uh, program. Sometimes the discounts are almost as good as commercial health insurance. Sometimes they're better, I'm told. What this article does dives into seven different alternatives uh, for metformin. Now, metformin is, is normally the go-to first drug given to folks, but obviously there are other uh, drugs out there. And typically metformin can reduce your A1C by up to 1.5. So let's say, for example, your A1C was 9. It might get your A1C down to a 7.5 on average, which is a good improvement. But if your A1C is 11 and metformin only brings you down to 9.5, that's still really high. So, what are some alternatives? Let's look at seven alternatives here to metformin. And the first is what we just talked about, the GLP-1 agonists like Ozempic. So this can be come in the form of Ozempic, Ribelsis, Trulicity, Victoza. All of those use a GLP-1 agonist. And these are popular now. And these are very effective. Folks sometimes use them even if they do not have type 2 diabetes, because not only do they bring down your A1C, uh, maybe because you're eating a lot less, but they can also help you lose weight because you absolutely are likely to be eating a lot less. In fact, in studies they say that it's very common to lose 5 to 15 pounds uh, on these GLP-1 agonists really without trying, because they do take the food out of the equation as far as what you're thinking about every day and what you're concentrating on. Another one is an SGLT2 inhibitor. Now I'm taking that, the one I'm taking is Farsiga, but they also have brand names of Invokana, Jardians, and so on. And those really don't help a whole lot for weight loss, but they do dramatically help your blood sugar readings. And the way they do that is by passing the blood sugar, the glucose, out through your kidneys. And they do say that there is some protective benefits for both heart and kidneys for this SGLT2 inhibitor. In fact, it's a medication preferred for those people with a history of heart or kidney disease 
because it can help with that as well. So I'm using this, the SGLT2 inhibitor, in combination with metformin. So it doesn't have to be an either-or type thing. In fact, there are medications that are manufactured in combination. But the third one we're going to look at here is Manjaro. Now, if you've been listening to me, I have spoken a lot about Manjaro. It was a game changer. I was able to keep my A1C down to 5 an average blood sugar reading, I would say my average used to be about 110, 105. That's 24-7, average of 105. It would routinely be down in the 80s. Also, I don't know how it does it, I don't know how it works, but this GIP, this glucose-dependent insulotropic polypeptide, ooh, that's a mouthful, that's why you say GIP, or the GLP-1 agonist, which is the same as Ozempic, but that combination, for me, took food thoughts completely away. Didn't care about food, wasn't worried about food, didn't want to go get more food, didn't even think about it. It was miraculous. Anyway, that's Manjaro. And did you knew, hear now the news? They came out with a new approval made by the same people who make Manjaro. In fact, it's the same drug. It's still terzepatide but it's called ZepBound. And now the FDA has approved that label of the same drug, but it's now approved strictly for weight loss. It's now a Manjaro equivalent to Wegovi. So now there's two medications in this class, Wegovi and ZepBound, that are prescribed just for weight loss. Now, Manjaro and Ozempic have always been prescribed for type 2 diabetes, but it's the same drug. All right, number four. Number four is insulin. Now, if you have type 1 diabetes, you must take insulin. To a certain degree, the body can't live without the actions of insulin. Even if you only eat strictly meat and don't eat a single gram of carbohydrate, if you have type 1 diabetes, you likely require insulin to live. But insulin can also be given to type 2 diabetics, if it is advanced enough, or if you have advanced kidney disease and you can't take metformin and other medications, you might have to take insulin even with type 2 diabetes, usually severe type 2 diabetes, uncontrolled. Now it could be an injection, or it could be an inhaler, it can be an insulin pump, various ways to take insulin, but insulin is a fourth alternative to metformin. Another one is called a DPP-4 inhibitor. Now I'm going to try this. Dipeptidyl peptidase, 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 I don't know. Anyway, DPP-4 inhibitor, if you've heard of Januva or Trajenda or Nicina, those are all DPP-4 inhibitors. And it's an alternative metformin. It's a pill you take like once a day. Now, it's less effective, honestly, than metformin even. But some folks, they can't take metformin for certain reasons, and they might be prescribed DPP-4 inhibitor like Genuvia. Okay, number six. I'm not even going to try and pronounce it, but the commercial brand name is Actos, and it's the most prescribed drug of this class, also known as a glitazone T, 
or Avandia. Both of them here, they're rarely prescribed, and that's why it's here, it's at the bottom of the list, because they do have a certain risk of heart-related concerns. They're pills, and they don't really, they're not really preferred. Not only do they have a heart risk issue, but they can cause you to gain weight. So it's really not a first choice drug, but if for some reason other medications aren't available or not appropriate to you, you might be prescribed this Actos or Avendia. Finally, combination medications. Now these are medications that we talked about before, usually things combined with metformin, and it can be an SGLT2 inhibitor combined with metformin, or you can pair a DPP-4 inhibitor that we just talked about with metformin, and those are actually sold as a single pill, but it's actually two medications combined. So those are seven different options, and I'm not sure that I've exhausted them all, but those are the ones that I have found and become familiar with, seven different options in addition to or as an alternative to metformin. So if you've been prescribed metformin and it's really not working for you, like it doesn't for me, metformin by itself is not sufficient for me. So it might be the same thing for you. And if that's the case, there are a lot of alternatives. Talk to your doctor, ask about some of these alternatives, and perhaps you can find a combination that works great for you. All right, let's take a look now at your questions. Now, if you would like to ask a question or send in a comment or reach out to me, maybe suggest a new topic, there's two easy ways to do that. The first way is simply send me an email. My email address is tom at solvingtype2diabetes.com. Just jot me an email. The other way is to go to the website, solvingtype2diabetes.com, and click on Feedback. You can send, again, a question, a comment, a concern, a suggestion, maybe a topic you'd like to have discussed. Or if you have any information on sourdough or knitting, feel free to throw that in as well. Likewise, if you're taking any of these type 2 diabetes medications that we discussed and you'd like to share your experience, please feel free to do so. So this letter comes in from Stephen from Glendale, good friend of the podcast. Hello, Stephen. Nice to hear from you. This is what he says. He says, Hi, Tom. I'm so glad you finally decided to see an endocrinologist. I'm surprised that you never had one being a diabetic. A primary care physician is good for many things, but they don't specialize in a particular disease. Being under the care of an endocrinologist is invaluable. As my wife and I always say, you don't go to an Italian restaurant for steak, and you don't go to a steakhouse to eat pasta. Same goes for seafood restaurants. A few episodes ago, you asked whether or not we like your What's in the News segment. Without speaking for your other listeners, my wife and I appreciate your research on finding these articles. They're very informative. Oh, thank you. Lastly, the bodyweight exercises are spot on. If you don't mind, I thought I'd mention a few more. Sure, go ahead. Here he goes. Jumping jacks, plank jacks, which are on your side or your elbows or hands, kicking out your legs to the side and back. High knees, like running in place and lifting your knees to as close as possible to the height of your waist. Butt kickers, just like it sounds, kicking back your heels towards your butt. Expanding on the theme of no equipment, squats can be done with a bottle or a jug of water, or I guess a jug of wine if you want, 
I put that in. For added resistance or weight, like having a dumbbell. People should work slowly, pick out a few exercises each day, and try to set or two of 10 maybe. We all need to burn off some sugar. Till next time, Tom. Stephen. Well, thanks, Stephen. I added a few humorous comments there. I hope you don't mind. And I'm sure Stephen will be the first to tell you that he's not a medical expert or exercise physiologist, and of course, neither am I. So take these as just ideas that you can work with your professionals. So thank you very much, Stephen. I appreciate you sending that in. I'm glad you like uh, when I go through some news articles. And yeah, I'm looking forward to my first visit with a, an official endocrinologist here uh, the first week of December. So we'll see how that goes. All right, so what's next? What's next on the upcoming podcast here? I'd mentioned that as part of my current success, getting my blood sugar back in control after stopping Manjaro, I have been keeping my carbohydrate intake to around 80, 90 grams of carbohydrates a day. And I've talked about that a little bit in the past. But I'd like to specifically talk about my various macros, the macronutrients, what I shoot for each day, and why, and how I believe that's helping me personally. So you might find that interesting. Of course, it's not a prescription for you. I just want to share what I've been doing. So I hope you like that. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast. I hope you found it valuable. Please follow and leave a five-star review as it helps other people find the podcast. By subscribing, you ensure you won't miss the next episode. You can always get a full transcript of the episode at SolvingType2Diabetes.com. There, you will also find the links to leave feedback and links to follow on social media. I'm very interested in hearing from you with comments and suggestions. Thanks very much for listening. Please remember that everything I share is just from my own personal experience and should not be taken as medical or health advice. Please consult your own medical professionals. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only.